0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your Places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Standby, lights one and sound one.
1: Camera speeding, audio speeding. Lights and sound, go. And action. Hello. Hi, I'm here. Welcome back to Pretend World's Real People.
0: The podcast where we interview people uh, in the theater and film industries. Uh, about We learn about their lives and their fun stories, and it's great.
1: All their good stuff. Yeah. And speaking of good stuffs, so we have our first Patreon supporter, Woo-hoo! which is super awesome, uh, has signed up for an assistant director Patreon, It's so our $10 tier. Yeah. So in addition to the many perks he will be picking up, he gets an awkward shout out and compliment from yours truly. His name is Troy Armand Barbosa and I just want to say buddy I love you so much. You always have the warmest gum and it really just works. It's comforting. It's refreshing all at the same time. So thank you for having such hot pockets. Uh, yeah.
0: Oh I so was thinking warmest gum because it was in his mouth that he then gave to you, but it's pocket. Gum. I mean,
1: that makes sense. That's that's a little better. <laughs> it's it's more intimate, but uh, in these times we have to be careful. So I like when he sticks the gum in his pockets and he warms it up that way. Uh, yeah, a
0: little melty when. Yeah, a little melty. Off. It's yeah.
1: it's like brie cheese, but it's not. Oh, so. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for signing up. Yes. I really appreciate it. I uh, hope we get some more supporters out there so I can deliver some more awkward shout outs yeah. as well as Miss Steph. I know she has some uh, loaded in the magazine oh, ready definitely. to go. Uh, without further ado, we have a, a just an amazing guest today that I've been really excited to bring onto the show. Somebody that I can put my, uh, you know, start in the industry on for, uh, you know, him allowing me to work as a you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed 19 year old production assistant on his first film. Uh, he's also a screenwriter and my mentor, Chris Sims. Hey, man. Hi, Chris.
2: Hi, Stephanie and Tyler. <laughs> nice to talk to you. Yeah. Um, uh, now, that I, now that I remember, Tyler, I need to thank you for driving me from set to my aunt's house so I could pee. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Thank you again for that. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: I forgot about that.
0: <laughs> that's right make the 19 year old do the mundane weird thing's yeah. it's like yeah, go
1: I gotta go right now no it, it was it was awesome I still have uh a ton of photos from that and uh two DVD copies that I'll have to watch you know this this next Halloween but I love it uh yeah it, without uh without any hesitation tell everybody tell our listeners you know who are you what do you do let's let's get started we'll start there yeah
2: um, so I'm a Denver-based uh, screenwriter. Um, uh, recent first-time author. Uh, I produced a film about a decade ago uh, that Tyler was uh, um, a uh, PA on, which was a fantastic help. Um, we uh, I took the long road to becoming a screenwriter. I, my undergraduate's in uh, philosophy, um, but they don't hire many philosophy majors for anything. <laughs> yeah. So I decided to get a uh, master's degree in uh, information resources and library science. And uh, so I was on track to kind of work at a um, film library, because mm. uh, film has always been a huge passion of mine. And uh, yeah, I was a Star Wars kid before I was even born. So um, I came across a uh, trove of screenplays. Um mm. I worked at a uh, special collections library at the University of Arizona. And uh, we would carry, um, we had a warehouse essentially of everything uh, that was Arizona related. So if um, somebody wrote a book that was from Arizona, we would collect it. Oh, interesting. So it was an underground warehouse of you know, shelves upon shelves of just uh, everything from political papers to uh, a comic book that was authored by an Arizona writer. Um, my, uh, my PA, uh, came across a box of screenplays and Mm. they were, um, actually John Ford directed Westerns and they actually even had his notes on them. And so I was able to, uh, I, I, we, it was a special collections library. So I'd only ever have maybe, uh, one or two patrons at a time. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of time on my hands and, um, after my uh, my this is back in the day, so my MySpace page was mm. uh, tip top, and so I needed <laughs> to start reading some things, and I started reading uh, screenplays, and I was really uh, captivated um, by the uh, by the form. You know, it's a blueprint for a movie, and these are movies that I had seen and loved, and um, something that just spoke to me was just uh, the the words on the page. Becoming something so grand as a movie. Yeah,
3: that's awesome.
2: So that's kind of when I started uh, writing screenplays. I did a really bad job for um, <laughs> about three years. Uh, my mom had an industry insider. She was a story consultant for MGM, uh, who did some um, paid consulting, and uh, I paid her to be honest with me because mm. my family won't be honest with me, your friends won't really be honest with you, <laughs> and uh, so I paid her to tell me how bad I was of a writer. And she did a great job, and um and criticized me thoroughly and <laughs> I loved it and I, I built upon it. Yeah. So yeah, so here I am 13 years later just still doing it.
0: That's awesome. Um, so was the first uh, thing you produced that you did 10 years ago, was that your first like finished screenplay that you felt comfortable actually then putting into film or was it just your first opportunity to do that and you have older scripts that you would like to produce eventually, but for whatever reason you chose that one.
2: So we, um, I was kind of the resident screenwriter for a lot of my friends that were in film school. Mm-hmm. And so they would like kind of hit me up for ideas, for shorts, uh, participated in um, a couple film fests like the 48 hour film festival. Mm-hmm. Um, so we shot, you know, one of my scripts at that point and um, I was definitely leaning more towards uh, comedy at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, I just took a, a I, I'm a huge horror fan, but um, I felt as though that was the best way to kind of break into the industry. Sure. And so uh, I worked on a, on a script about uh, La Llorona, the Wailing Woman, uh, which was a regional folklore um, tale that I wanted to um, elevate. Mm -hmm. um because there were a million movies on her but they were all terrible (laughs) so (laughs) it was my it was my grand idea to uh create a um a conjuring universe la llorona movie um that somebody beat me to Mm
3: -hmm. so um
2: (laughs) back in the day uh we uh i just my friends were like hey what can you write that we can shoot Mm -hmm. and so i decided to um explore some other folklore and um in the region of Southern Colorado that my mother's from, there are a lot of alien um, UFO mm. uh, cattle mutilation type uh, uh, stories, scary stories. And so I told my friends, I said, Hey, I think I got an idea. So we ended up doing a found footage creature feature about an alien. Eating That's awesome. cows. <laughs> so that was my, that so- was my start.
0: I'm hoping that in the credits there was the typical no cows, ra- no actual cows were eaten during this production.
1: <laughs> I think there may have been. Oh no! <laughs> I'll have to rewatch it. Uh, it's called Alien Valley. It's on Amazon Prime for for our listeners who have a Prime account. Check it out and, and go take a look. Uh, I I don't think I ever um, ever asked you how did how long did it take for you guys to uh, go from like the inception of the idea yeah. to actually filming it because I think I, <laughs> I, I met you through auditioning for one of the roles when you guys were in pre-production but before that, I think I was like 2010 or so, how, how long did it take yeah. to get from yeah, the inception to uh, just ramping up into production? So uh, <clears throat> I
2: pitched um, the, the directors, uh, it was a duo of directors, uh, uh, David B. Franco and um, Ben Martinez they uh, were in film school or just recently out of film school and they really were you know wanted to get their feet wet and they said hey we have a great network of, of guys that can they can help us just make something um so uh i spent a little bit of time you know kind of pitching them on a few different ideas and uh when i told them about the uh cattle mutilation phenomena they wanted to go down to the san luis valley um and kind of check out the area and they could not believe how beautiful it, it mm. is and just uh it is, is it is extremely cinematic there have been a number of films shot in the region and so i said you know i have a lot of family that lives here maybe we can get access to some of this land and they said all right let's do it you got three months to write a script and um let's start breaking it down mm-hmm. so um i'm one of those uh deadline writers so you give me a deadline and i will um i will be sweating and oh. I will get it. I will get it done, and not done well necessarily, but sure. get it done. So I got them the script and the time they asked me, and because we wanted to shoot 2010. End of 2010 was when I started writing it. We wanted to produce it in uh, 2011. Okay, which meant that we needed to raise a bunch of money, mm-hmm. and so uh, that's where you know the rubber hits the road, in my opinion, in terms of this industry as an independent filmmaker. It's when you start asking for money or you start taking out loans or you start, Mm -hmm. you know, racking up credit card debt, um, that's when, uh, (laughs) that's when your commitment is really kind of showing and it's like everybody on board, hopefully we don't sink. Yeah. And, um, and so we, uh, started, uh, uh, raising money, you know, just, uh, crowdsourcing, borrowing from friends, family, uh, did fundraisers, um, had a huge fundraiser at the restaurant we all worked at Mm. and uh just you know accumulated um a little over 50k and and that that was when i i mean it was it's so many steps to make a movie yeah i always tell people you know they everybody wants uh to go from a to b but making a film is going from a to z every Mm -hmm. single little (laughs) checklist uh from from casting to you know editing to sound mixing I just, I, I went to film school by making a movie. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend any uh, anybody thinking about film school, maybe make a movie first. Mm-hmm. Maybe see if you actually want to do the the labor of it. Because let me tell you, there's some major heavy lifting involved. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: So you were able to raise the 50K. And then what was the next steps to get to Recording,
2: so we, whatever. We, we, I we don't know done, film terms. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we luckily, you know, uh, a lot of our um, film students uh, were kind of doing some commercial work here and there. Mm-hmm. So they all had cameras. They had a lot of the equipment. So we didn't have to make any of the big purchases that we need needed. So my biggest fear as a, pro- going from screenwriter to producer, mm-hmm. my biggest fear was being on set a cast member, a crucial cast member, not being happy mm-hmm. and quitting, mm-hmm. especially if we were to have, you know, gotten them to, to work for us for free. Mm-hmm. And cause I mean, what are, the, what are they losing out on by walking off the set? Right. So by having a lot of the, um, uh, technical gear, we were able to, uh, spend the money that we would have spent on gear on, you know, essentially locking people in with contracts,
0: nice.
2: going through agencies, um, so a big, a big part of the stage from, you know, getting the money and uh, getting the uh, script done. And I was revising the script for another half year um, was uh, locking people into contracts that they couldn't just mm-hmm. walk away from. Mm-hmm. And so we used talent agencies and uh, they, tr- they were extremely professional. We asked a lot of them. We put, pl- we paid uh, WGA um, micro scale or micro mm-hmm. budget film scale. Which is $100 a day, which isn't mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they wanted, they're all looking for their break and they invested in us. And the uh, casting process was um, an arduous one. Mm-hmm. Where we chose the right people. And um, so that was the next big phase. Uh, we had a great um, uh, AD, uh, Michael Freeman, who uh, did the budget and um, we paid him a chunk of change so that he was married to us mm-hmm. he was our, you know he was married to <laughs> he was like the he was the husband of every single one of the producers yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and um so he did a great job breaking down the script getting us a budget and then having family in the region um i had to uh ask them for help in terms of finding locations mm-hmm. because if you want to make a movie in colorado uh, the, you're going to have to go through the film commission and that, that, that takes permits, that takes zoning, that takes, uh, way more than 50 K. Yeah. So, um, I was able to, we were able to shoot the film primarily on private land. Uh, so two ranches in in particular, and then my, um, my cousin Connie, uh, who, um, works for the government down there, She was our ace in the hole, Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean that uh, literally because she uh, knew that she was a poker. uh, She played poker night with the sheriff down there. That's awesome. So he—I don't. I'm not. This is just purely speculation. (laughs) He—he may have owed her some money,
3: Ah. and
2: and she may have called a favor due. Oh yes. So he he was able to. He was able to shut down the roads that we needed shut down.
0: That's cool. And
2: a big thing that he was able to do was, um, you know, if anybody called the cops on us uh, for screaming in the middle of the night because it's a horror film, you know, he was able to kind of communicate quickly to everyone what was going on. Mm-hmm. So it literally took a flyer on the billboard of his office in order for people to say, oh, there's a kid, some some college kids are shooting a movie here right. that's that, that's who's going to the liquor store every right. day. And <laughs> right, right. that's, who's, that's that's why the local uh, motel is booked right, and, right. and so on. Um, so, and, and they were also very inviting to us because I mean, we dropped $20,000 in that small uh, Southern Colorado town, yeah. the, the Antonito Colorado in the course of, you know, five to nine days Mm -hmm. so that was uh there there are incentives for you know having these um uh grassroots films pop up in your communities you raise money and you spend it Mm -hmm. so Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and i feel like there's uh i i don't know you watching the film it picked up a a character in the landscape that you couldn't get from shooting this in you know, North Metro Denver mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, anywhere super out East in Eastern Colorado. So I, I actually, I've always wanted to ask you this. Do you think it'd be harder to pull that shoot off now, 10 years later? Do you think anything's changed or would it be about the same experiences we had back then? Uh, the San Luis Valley, uh, is a time capsule. Mm.
3: Um,
2: it is, uh, I mean, it, it so I've, I, you know, I've been going there all of my life and I can tell you when a new gas station pops up yeah, you know, because it's an anomaly on the landscape. I mean, we're talking about a, uh, an, uh, a region that is bigger than all of new England, um, within our state surrounded by the San Juan mountains on one side and the Sangre de Cristos on the other. Yeah. And it is just so isolated and it feels so remote. Um, and it, and it really is a, beautiful but eerie uh mm, place mm-hmm. and it is really uh, an untouched gem um the problem with uh shooting films in colorado is that unlike utah or georgia or louisiana or michigan we don't get any tax incentives mm. uh, it's it's a very small uh i think like 10 percent and you have to you be sp- spending millions of dollars to get that so um like I said, we it was kind of it was guerrilla filmmaking, uh, and calling in favors and begging our parents for money and <laughs> um, taking time off from work and uh-huh. uh, and just uh, it was a true uh, collaboration and and then it was an editing disaster mm. so, <laughs> so it took us you know we, we didn't release the we didn't screen the film for two years because wow. uh, it took it took so long to reshoot. Um, edit re-edit and then and then audio is its own nightmare and um, like I said I went to film school
1: without going to film school yeah 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 dumping all that found footage you know from different hard drives onto the the one mac computer you guys had was just a daunting task there's just so much I will never make well I can't
2: say that (laughs) I will I will will probably never make another found footage film um just because of the editing aspect of it yeah it's just you know that you you you, um you know no offense to our uh actors but you know when you give your talent cameras it doesn't mean that they know how to use them right um and and that's actually why we why our our main um our our lead uh was a he was actually had some camera experience um so but you know everybody else was Mm -hmm. just running around with camcorders and just uh, yeah, shout out to uh, to Nate James Baki, yeah. uh, who Bakke. was our um, uh, Dave Freeman, who who killed it on um, on PM for us.
0: That's awesome. Um, can we briefly go back to uh, auditions and specifically when this one Mister Laraka attempted to audition and oh God. and you were like. No, and then he said, "Please, can I be a PA? because I just really want to hear about how bad he was
2: <laughs> <That's> horrible.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so so you auditioned for uh, for the
1: Matt character? Correct? I think I th- think I did. I had the audition, yeah, I think it was for the Matt character.
0: And you had never really auditioned for anything before. Either, I, right? I had
1: never acted in in anything. right. I was a behind the camera guy. right. So the the Matt
2: character was, you know, supposed to be kind of like uh, maybe like early '30s, uh, uh, bearded, um, kind of like a, a, a rugged tech guy who, you know, like sleeps in his in the same um, uh, in the same hoodie day after day, and, oh my and you know, so we have this uh, bright eyed. Um, handsome extremely young man come into the into the <laughs> audition and I mean I mean he he was uh a joy to uh to talk with, um but you know and 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 I I will take nothing away from uh from Tyler's um talent you know it's uh you know one of the old adages is you know you can't teach talent right. so he turned it on yeah but it's just you know if you you if you're 18 or you're 19 years yeah. old you know going for the role of of you know kind of that um grizzled dude from <laughs> ghost hunters <laughs> you know it's not you're not yeah. buying it you know yeah. I, I mean I, I would have had to have rewritten that script and i may have you know but if, if, uh, if we wouldn't have found um our our char-
1: our, our matt character that's so say, i think everyone that was cast in that film was just like perfect for that character yeah you know, yeah. everyone, everyone meshed well. I couldn't even pull that, that character off now. Yeah. I'm friggin' 28. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, like, the. Oh. No, everyone, go ahead. No. You finished, um, and then I was
0: going to ask a question.
1: How many people did you guys see for, for casting?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh,
2: every actor in all of Colorado, New Mexico. Uh, I mean, it, it, we really did see um, close to 300 actors. Wow. Um, oh, I and, know that. Uh, and, you know, it was you know, you know, whether it was, you know, kind of flipping through, um, you know, headshots, uh, you know, we just were, we were really mining for Colorado gold. Yeah. And, um, and that was another thing. We wanted to keep the production local. Um, We didn't really want to go through any uh, agencies in um, uh, West Coast or Mm -hmm. East Coast. We just, Mm -hmm. we wanted to, to be, you know, this, um, this landlocked production. And so, we uh, like we saw we saw um, you know at least a couple hundred actors for uh, around eight roles, eight or nine roles, um, and then and then we did a few you know just like uh, people would send us their reels and whatnot, mm-hmm. and we took it very seriously. Mm-hmm. You know that was a, that was a three month um, process, and we uh, brought one of our um, one of our actors into the process because he was you know he had been. Uh, a much bigger deal than he was when he was our um, one of our characters. Uh, shout out to uh, Nathan uh, Blackburn. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he was on the Real World in the '90s. Oh. <laughs> he uh, he did a bunch of um, uh, commercial work in the early aughts, and um, he got away from the industry. And uh, he 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 wouldn't mind me telling you this, but he had you know struggled with. Uh, a variety of substance uh, mm-hmm. abuse issues and he saw this as an opportunity to kind of uh, delve back into the mm-hmm. world that he loved and to get a little bit more aspirational about his mm-hmm. own pursuits and i i hope that it was a, a step in the right direction for him because he's doing great now
3: That's yeah.
2: awesome. Um, so but anyways he came into the casting process very early on to help us evaluate and he was he read for every single part he mm. you know he was he was in the thick of it um and at uh, the minute we cast somebody we asked them we said hey can you come help us with casting mm-hmm. and so they would volunteer to come in and, and read for us and read with us and read with our um those that were auditioning mm-hmm. and uh that was extremely helpful yeah we couldn't afford a casting director so <laughs>
0: yeah that's fair. That actually does. It's a perfect lead into my question because you had mentioned, you know, a lot of these actors were looking to make a big break, kind of thing. Do you know of any of the cast members from that piece who have gone on to do other things that people might know about, or you know, um, that you feel like, oh, great, I'm glad that those people are have been doing this and that and whatnot.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, most of them. Very shortly after the film came out, so you know, probably a couple of years after the film came out, uh, most of them were on their way to L.A. That's And so, um, the uh, uh, I um, I'm gonna struggle remembering everybody's names, <laughs> but um, we had uh, well, Nate James Bakke, who was our um, uh, our lead. He actually went on to make a film a couple years ago called Man Camp. And oh, so okay. they, they got distribution and it's a great comedy and um, he's, you know, he's on the other side of the camera now. Like right. I said, he was always a multi-threat for us, right. but, it, but he is a, a wonderful comedian, uh, a wonderful actor. So he's, um, he's, you know, I think he's definitely uh, still in, in, in the film world. Um, a lot of uh, our actors are, you know, raising families now. Mm-hmm. So this is 10 years later. This mm-hmm. is, you know, they're in their mid-20s at that time and now in their, they're in their mm-hmm. mid-30s. So uh, a lot of them are, are raising families. Um, we, um, uh, Our Andrea character, um, uh, Madison, she's, uh has been singing in LA for years and she's doing really well. And so, I don't know, I, everybody kind of has been going their own directions. Um, and some of them just have not been in the film world.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: So it's, you know, I, I think that the big break didn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But they kept working. They yeah, kept that's awesome. going for it.
0: That's great.
2: Yeah. Uh.
1: Following, you know, that, that two year process, I remember the, the premiere at, at the mine in Denver and, and you guys, you know, finally essentially being done with the film, uh, if you could just Tell everybody what you did after that. You know what your your next goal was. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. something you're still working on. What you'd reached. Mm-hmm. Like what was the next step in the process for for your career yeah. after uh, Alien Valley? So
2: after uh, after we you know made the film, um, I really wanted to just focus on writing, and so uh, I um, a, a good uh, my my manager uh, Zach Green he. Um, he was not managing at the time he was actually trying to get out of the tech world and he was trying to get back to la and he wanted to produce films and so he um i told him what i was doing he he had respect for our guerrilla filmmaking and um he he thought that i was uh i had some good ideas so it was nice to have uh representation um after the making of the film not an agent but a manager Mm -hmm. who was encouraging me to keep writing and so um you know i was uh writing you know a a a border cartel crime uh drama for a couple years that we got around town it didn't get picked up but you know it was it was uh that was what was going on Mm -hmm. during the day while you know at night and into the morning i was helping edit it edit the film um so after we got the film to the point where we you know were ready to show to an audience we um, premiered at the at the Mayan, uh, as uh, Tyler suggested, and we saw that as another opportunity to raise more money in order to, you know, submit to film fests. Um, something that you know my uh, my manager Runo reminds me of is that you know you know film fests are really hard to get into, um, especially without named actors. So mm-hmm. you you really gotta um, find your um, find your fest and we did not do that mm-hmm. we spent all of our money on the you know the uh sun dances, the, the tellurides the you know we, we we did not target the correct film festivals for mm-hmm. us so it took us um over a year before we even got into a film fest and it was uh the star uh is it, it a star fest uh horror film fest oh, and yeah. so it was a convention that had their own little film fest and um, here's the thing, you get that one Laurel mm-hmm. and you are able to market yourself so much better. Sure. So we actually, after that f- little film fest, were contacted by a number of distributors and um, the, here's the, the rub of independent filmmaking. Um, if, you, if you don't have like a, a, a name that you can really market the film around mm-hmm. a, a name star They are trying to pick up your film without an MG, uh, um, minimum guaranteed.
3: Mm. Um,
2: So you know the the dream of of our production was that we would just pay our budget off and pay our investors back. They they invested not only in our um, film, they also invested in our career, and they knew that this this uh, career move. Maybe a long one being an artist is hard being an yeah. artist is the long game being an artist is a marathon yeah and so um not all of us get that big break right away and yeah. uh, everybody's been incredibly patient with us uh i think that they all just want us to make some, another movie yeah so that's oh, yeah. that's the next thing it's yeah you know okay we invested in you we basically paid for a sort of education for you mm-hmm. now go do something else mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> show mm-hmm. us
2: show us what you've learned and that's so we're, where we're at
0: Are you still working with uh, those guys? Like, is that your plan hopefully is to make another movie with those, with your your other producers and such?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, So I continued work, you know, writing after um, we got distribution and kind of like that, like slow trickle of, you know, income came in that way. Uh, So, you know, I've just been, you know, kind of cranking out at least two features uh, a year, I would say, and... um, and then i you know, and then I, I have a couple pilots as well. And so I've just been, you know, writing, writing, writing. And, uh, then, you know, my old producing partners came back to me and said, Hey, what can you write that we can shoot? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, you know, it took me a while to, uh, wrap my, wrap my mind around it. Uh, one of the directors gave me a really, um, awesome premise. And so I ran with it and, um, You know, the COVID shutdown has been a a blessing and a curse, of course, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it did give me the time I needed to refine the script. Mm -hmm. And then um, I decided to submit it to some contests. I mean, uh, my manager will once again tell you that, you know, screenwriting contests are for the birds, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, yet he runs one. (laughs) Um, So uh, so, so there's that. you know, similar to film fest, it's a long shot. I mean, you're talking about five thousand submissions, and you know they're taking three. Yeah. Uh, they're they're elevating three, and so they they're money making endeavors for for these guys, and um and I, I don't hate on that, um but it is frustrating to submit your script and not get any um any feedback or mm-hmm. to place or whatever. But you know, I basically took all of my scripts um, from the four years of writing after, uh, we got distribution and I just dumped them in a bunch of, uh, I spent my stimulus check on basically, mm, yeah. uh, so on basically <laughs> a bunch of screenplay contests and they all did really well. So that's I'm really awesome. happy about that. Uh, our, our next low budget feature vessel was a finalist in the stage 32 micro budget horror contest. So, um, that's our next film. Um, it's going to be probably about half the budget. uh uh, as our first film and we need to get a couple names because Mm -hmm. we you know we we understand uh what we're up against and we we know what we need to do in terms of um of almost pre-conceptualizing the marketing of the film Mm -hmm. regardless of what the film actually is Mm -hmm. so so yeah do
0: you um
2: hey my dog's Um,
0: Is your personal hope or or maybe a group hope to create an independent film that can become a bigger feature? Or uh, would you like to write something that would end up in Hollywood? Or are you really kind of more into the guerrilla filmmaking and creating these smaller indie films and, and whatnot? Like what is your hope as a writer really to do?
2: Uh, I mean, spiritually it is uh, to um, write and produce locally. You know, yeah. I, I came back from Arizona with the idea of making films in, you know, my beautiful backyard mm-hmm. uh, that is Colorado. And um, and at the same time, you know, the environment isn't here yet to, to, to do exactly what we want to do. Um, That said, uh, I am fully looking for, um, I haven't ever really kind of like dove into looking for uh, a writing job Mm -hmm. um, because I've been writing so much of my own stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I am definitely going to be spending the next uh, few months uh, looking at what projects I can, I might be right for in Mm -hmm. terms of elevating somebody else's ideas and uh, you know, I used to be very precious about my material. I wouldn't show anybody, you know, what I was writing until, you know, three years later. And, you know, I was afraid people would steal my ideas and I was, uh, afraid of, you know, collaborating with people because I was going to do more work than they were going to do. And Hey, sometimes that's true. Um, but with that experience with my, you know, with, you know, getting older and becoming less precious, you start to understand that collab- that that collaboration is a gift, mm-hmm. and um, that other people's perspectives, uh, like my perspective, can maybe help another writer. Other you know writers can help help you mm-hmm. because there's a lot of ego that goes into, you know, being a, a writer. Period. Right. You know, sometimes I don't know if I'm just writing. For, for my ego. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't know if I'm really writing for an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to kind of look at it from the perspective of both. You know, who, um, when I was a very impressionable 10-year-old kid, what did that kid want to, what did that, what was that kid wowed by? Right, right. So I'm trying to uh, write both for myself and for uh, a broader audience and just kind of stay, you know, grounded, bring in, uh, Tyler's been helping me on a project that I spent you know, uh, eight years mm-hmm. um, <laughs> spinning my wheels on and mm-hmm. Tyler's been uh, breaking scenes for me, which is just um, invaluable. I can't yeah. even tell you like how re- relieving it is to see the, mo- the story moving forward and in a better direction. So I hope to do that for other writers as well, yeah. um, because just looking at something from a different perspective can offer you, you know, insights into really how to how to elevate, how to, right. You know, they call it in the writer's room. They call it breaking a story. Yeah, and and that's what I um, that's what I hope to do in the uh, years to come. Mm-hmm. But I will. Uh, I want to. My biggest regret after our first film was not just going straight into another film, sure, no matter how no. bad it was, no matter how right. you know little cash we had. I wish we would have just made something else right away after. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the mentality that I have now. I've had a year to write. I've had a year to. You know, get some accolades. I've had a year to get some, you know, laurels under my belt in terms of uh, screenwriting contests. Yeah. Uh, my resume stronger. Um, and at the same time, I'm like, okay, I'm not thinking about you know the next film we're making. I'm trying to think of the next three films we're yeah, making. Yeah, yeah. And and rolling from from one small production to another small production. And and you never know. Um, you know, having just a lot of irons in the fire. And not really, really being afraid of um, of failure because failure is such a uh, integral aspect of this mm-hmm. industry.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and it, it's I think it just gives you far more experience than not taking that chance at all. And we usually go to a, you know pieces of advice later on in the the podcast, but I think I can retool it. What are some tools you'd recommend uh, either you know first time screenwriters or people who uh, maybe you've been trying to do it for a while. What are like a few pertinent things you suggest every screenwriter should have in their arsenal to make their project really come to life? Mm. The more I read, the better writer I become. Yeah. So I
2: um, I just highly recommend reading scripts. Just Google it, Google them, pull it up, read it. You know whether it's like the Game of Thrones pilot or the Stranger Things pilot or Terminator Two or the Sixth Sense you know, those are scripts that I have read, you know, dozens of times because um, the writing is so strong Mm. and, you know, and and stylistically very different. Right. Um, I mean, I, um, you know, I've read pretty much all of M. Night Shyamalan's scripts and, uh, you know, in terms of like writing, he's not the best writer, Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of a s- storytelling, mm-hmm. he's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. like crying by the end of every one of his scripts. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm a, I'm a big baby anyways. But, yeah. like, I mean, if, but then, you know, you take like a James Cameron script. And I mean, and it is uber technical. And it is like, I mean, it, there are aspects of it that are like poetry. And, you know, and stylistically completely different. Um, and then there's this kind of grand movie that kind of unfolds in front of you. It's bigger than your your eyes. It's bigger than anything you've ever, how does somebody make a movie bigger than your imagination? Right. Ask, ask James Cameron. I don't know how the hell he does it. <laughs> um, so read, uh, read scripts, just get, find them online. And um, uh, I think it was T.S. Eliot said, you know, uh, talent borrows, genius steals. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, this is something I talked to Tyler a lot about the art of screenwriting is the art of the simple sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, Be Hemingway, you know, uh, with a with a six sentence with a six word uh, sentence rather than um, you know uh, it being f- uh, floral about what you're writing. Mm-hmm. Like just really kind of like uh, make it, you know. They they always say make it punchier, you know. Well, to me, you know, punchy is a, is an is a nice simple sentence. That, that tells a story in its mm-hmm. own regard.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, do that
2: by reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that actually, that brings to mind, um, and I'm sure it's entirely different, but uh, as a screenwriter, how do you feel about uh, in the process of creating the film, if lines get changed or whatever, like there are certain playwrights, uh, I'm blanking on their names now, where like, an actor has to memorize the words, every word as it's written. And if they do not say it correctly, like the production can get fined or can get like shut down if they refuse, you know, and and, which has always blown my mind because I've never met an actor that doesn't ad lib at some point because they can't remember a certain line or two. But um, how how does that work as a screenwriter? Do, Do you feel like that's ever a... A hard um, uh, line, or is it always going to be fluid? Because that's what film is.
2: Um, You actors are the bane of my existence. (laughs) I'm not an actor. He is. Just, just just, just joking. I, I I really, um, I, I like. As with you know, consulting other writers, as with other writers consulting me, there are always opportunities to elevate the project, and so. Um, in terms of production, I mean, it's up to the director to translate the script into the performance and then hopefully capture it on on film. So if there are opportunities on set to elevate the material even further, then, then don't be so um, uh, rigid. Um, I think it's um, I, there. And the thing is, there are screenwriters out there that are just, you know, absolutely, you know, um, it's, this is what it says on the page.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Do that. Don't do mm-hmm. anything outside of that. I, I mean, I, I have heard that uh, George Lucas is one of those, mm-hmm. you know, it's on the page. Don't go around what I've written because, you know, if you miss this, these three words right here, it won't connect with 60 mm-hmm. pages, 60 or 160 pages mm-hmm. later, you know, when we're talking about the Imperial Senate, you know what I'm saying? So um, I understand that. I understand like if there's a real purpose for, for you know, dialogue to be there, that it be there. Um, at the same time, in terms of performance, oh my god, I have tried to write to read lines that I have written, mm-hmm. and I am terrible. <laughs> I am a t- I am a, I am a terrible actor. I'm a terrible reader. Um, and um, I would, I will, I will never get cast in anything ever. Yeah. And I will, you know. And so I have an incredible amount of respect for uh, performance performances, what actors do. The memorization process, the inflection, the just absorption of material, and so you know if if so, hey, like there there's going off the rails with it, Mm -hmm. but you know it is not it should not be a hard line.
1: Okay, cool. (laughs) I'm just picturing you reading your stuff out loud and trying to trying to perform it. Uh, Oh God, don't want that. So (laughs) I think we can agree. This stuff, the creative stuff, is our job. It's our passion. It's it's our career. But uh, you know, before COVID, even now, how are you sustaining? You know, um, this this part of the career with everything pretty much being shut down. Like, I think it'd be really cool to hear uh, some familiarity and realize that people who are you know successful and and driven uh, are also you know working regular jobs too.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah. um, yeah. What, what were you doing and what are you doing, uh, pre COVID and, uh, post COVID?
2: So I've had the the luxury of, um, of having a steakhouse, uh, working at a steakhouse, you know, two to four nights a week. And so that, um, allows me to, uh, to here's the thing. I, if I can get all of my, uh, bill paying money Mm -hmm. in uh it doesn't matter if i get it in uh actually no here's my point (laughs) if i can get my bill paying money in like 20 hours then fantastic yeah like that's kind of my goal i do not want to be at my day job for more than uh more than a minute longer than i have to because you know i have to get back to you know the writing the producing the all that stuff and at the same time, try to have my own life as well in terms mm-hmm. of friends and family. So, um, I was uh, working in a steakhouse. Uh, I've been there for for uh, over a decade. And um, something that I preach to uh, a lot of my trainees is that you know, if you can't do this job well, how can you you know do the other things in your mm-hmm. life well? Whatever it is, if you want to be a, a doctor or a mm-hmm. you know um, or an actor, or wh- whatever it is, you know, like, uh, have excel at what you're doing here and then carry that on into the rest of your life. So, um, I've been able to, they, they've put up with me, uh, only working a few nights of the week and, you know, having some of the better shifts so that I make as much as I can in a short amount of time as possible so that I could do things like write movies, um, wrote a book last year, And and still continue to pursue my passion. So, what happens when COVID shuts us down? Um, You know, I, like uh, all of my uh, coworkers, you know, went on unemployment. And hey, it was really great with the (laughs) extra 600 bucks, you know, that uh, Bernie Sanders argued for us to get. Um, But, uh, you know, when that dried up, you know, it's it's definitely been a lot tighter in terms of, budgeting and getting, you know, dealing with COVID on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, there. It, it doesn't feel like there's really a part of my life that it hasn't touched. Mm-hmm. And um, I got COVID from my workplace um, <laughs> a, a, in, in March. So um, I know what it's like to be sick with it. And I was out for about a month. Wow. Um, so uh, it's just, you know, we I feel, I hope that we are approaching a dawn um, but, uh, it, who knows, you yeah. know, I, I'm, I'm very happy staying at home, mm-hmm. riding.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, thinking ahead or, and kind of reflecting back on what we we're talking about before with, you know, maybe being a writer for something else, um, and not being the sole writer. What, instead of you know working for the steakhouse or whatever what jo- what kind of show or or film would you like to lend your writing skills to or id you know like what would be your ideal for that that kind of a job um that you might be looking for
2: i you know that's a, it's it, I've i've been thinking about that lately because Um, so many of my shows like, uh, like Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. for instance, kind of let me down in the, Mm -hmm. you know, last season. And, you know, it's just, you know, you have the show creators, you know, kind of, um, scattered in terms of what are they get? It's not what they were doing at the moment. It was what they were doing next. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think that that's a good opportunity to bring in some young blood. And so I would like to be young blood on a on an aging series mm. um, that uh, that can uh, continue to um, excel. You know, um, I am one of those people that I like to uh, exceed expectations. Yeah. You know, like people, you know they 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 hear what you do, they're immediately cynical about it, <laughs> and um, and so it's really nice to just kind of uh exceed their expectations blow their minds whatever you want to call it and i think that you inject that young blood into some of these aging shows and uh you can get a, a lot more life out of them and bring them to a satisfying conclusion could um, you give
0: an example of you know even if it's not specifically that show but like uh a, a, what would be an example of an aging show in your mind
2: uh, i mean t- tal and i were talking about um, supernatural the other day mm-hmm. and just how you know, it's uh, hardening in terms of its procedural aspects. Um, and, and you really take a, l- a lot of those procedurals and I can't even get into them. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I am, um, I, I will never work on a, on a CSI mm-hmm. um, or, or something like that, you know, but um, I think that before you really start to flounder in terms of your material, you just need to get people in there that are um, incredibly respectful of what you've done, Mm -hmm. uh, the source material, if there is some, Mm -hmm. and new perspectives. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, you know, when every time I write a, uh, every time I send out a first draft of a feature or a pilot, um, I get, you know, hit from the side, you know, it's always something, you know, it's like the the you know I'm I'm running from the T-Rex behind me but the Velociraptor hits me from the side Mm -hmm, because I never mm saw it. mm -hmm. And uh I see that happening to a lot of these aging shows where it's um they they have something in mind that they're going towards and we oftentimes call that um uh when you're writing too on the nose it's Mm -hmm. too direct. Mm -hmm. And so when that, that sometimes means that you're sprinting over pl- major plot holes mm-hmm. that, the, that in the entire audience, everybody's looking at each other like, how the hell did they miss that? Yeah. You know, how the hell did they, you know, and, and to me, as Yoda said, focus determines reality. Bring some young blood in that is mm-hmm. focused and that's going to look at the problem from multiple perspectives so that you don't let everybody down.
0: See, Tyler? It's good that I point out all of the bad things in TV. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's it's a freaking joy every episode.
0: Tyler hates watching TV with me because I always have something to say about why, doesn't, especially old stuff. Like, you talked about Supernatural. We, you know, um, watch that with our roommate and, and have a separate <laughs> podcast just recapping it. And I've never seen it before. I mean, it's growing on me, but I have things to say questions. about it every many questions. so many questions <laughs> and so i was like why are you ruining this for me um <laughs> uh,
1: that's what i get for showing you a show that i loved yeah starting at 13. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know you, you talk about uh, about Shyamalan and you know uh filmmakers like cameron but what is the earliest influence you can remember that has driven you to become, you know, this type of creative to become a writer, become somebody who wants to make movies. What was the earliest influence you could possibly imagine that make you that made you say, you know, yes, this is it?
2: I, I mean, it was uh, the rescreening of Return of the Jedi in 1988 yeah. that my dad took me to see, and um, having you know my mind blown as a as a um, seven year old kid and just um that becoming my universe for the rest of my childhood mm-hmm. the rest of my childhood um i was you know sketching out plots to you know with my action figures on you know uh these different storylines you know separate from uh george lucas's canon you know and stuff like that and then you know like i was um so i would say that george lucas really made me want to be a storyteller because he really connected me with, you know, what I call like the universal story or, you know, the the greater mythos of it all. Um, you know, what's whatever's in the ether, and so um, my mind wasn't truly blown again until I saw the Lord of the Rings, uh, mm. Fellowship of the Ring, oh, yeah. and um, Peter Jackson uh, essentially being a magician. Um, I didn't know that, you know, I all of my friends were, you know, I remember I read The Hobbit when I was a, when I was a kid, and I remember loving, you know, the animated uh, Hobbit, and, you know, and then hearing that they were doing a live-action Lord of the Rings, which is based, you know, kind of in The Hobbit world, and I remember just being like, yeah, 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 you know, like, just, it's not going to be very good, it's it's going to be, um, I've seen so many fantasy movies that just totally let me down, and, and I, I wasn't a huge fantasy fan at all at the time, I was very cynical, and so I go with my friends, you know, they're, you know, dressed up like hobbits and, you know, (laughs) carrying, you know, their, you know, Lord of the Rings copies. And man, I just did not know that that was possible. Mm -hmm. I did not know that that was possible. And so what did I do? I read the Lord of the Rings before the um, next one came out. I, you know, I, I was like, how did they do that? How did they do that? And so I feel like that was um, a very inspirational moment for me, that I was just like, I not only want to be a storyteller, I want to be a filmmaker. So it kind of went from George Lucas to Peter Jackson. Yeah. And then um, I really got into, you know, Hitchcock and Shyamalan is kind of the uh, resurgence of the Hitchcock kind of um, thriller. And, um, and so I kind of just kept that in mind as I was um, writing. And then, um, being uh, Hispanic in what I consider a very underserved uh, community in terms of storytelling, um, I really wanted to, um, I didn't wanna tell, you know, um, Mexican stories. Mm-hmm. I didn't wanna tell, um, you know, Spanish stories. You know, there are ama- I mean, there are so many amazing mm-hmm. Spanish and Mexican filmmakers and um, New Mexico is becoming very popular in terms of production. And I thought, man, like I would just really love to tell a story from my region involving the stories that I heard growing up Mm -hmm. that had to do with our own mythos that isn't really explored in um, the public at large. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to kind of show, you know, show the rest of the world kind of what um, what was in my backyard and what was in my backyard is a very creepy, you know, creepy world.
3: Yeah,
0: (laughs) that's cool. Um, do you have any favorite stories, good or bad from your, you know, writing times and producing your, your movie and things like that, that you kind of like, like to share at a party or, you know, something kind of, um, unique to your experience over the years that is fun to kind of give people a glimpse into what it could be like working in, in the arts fields and whatnot?
2: Yes. <laughs> um, I have, I have, I have two par- I have two party favors. Okay. And um, I'll, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one of them, and okay. we'll save the other one for your guys's um, fall show next, yeah. next year. Yeah, uh, It's a, it's a, it's a spooky family story that I uh, based my first um, uh, novella on, called Red Moon Night, and it's about um, Lyudon or the Wailing Woman, and how it has haunted my. Uh, my own family um, for generations. And so, you know, I will um, tell you guys about that and, and uh, I'm plugging my book right now. But, but uh, but that's, that's for another day. Um, The, the, because this is so production related, um, our film PM that became alien Valley involved cattle mutilations. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Well, if you're making a movie about cattle mutilations you need to show one right mm-hmm. oh, God. and so you know we had a lot of um you know stock footage that we got from you know people you know that had experienced cattle mutilations mm-hmm. and had shot them you know on their um on their you know camcorder or whatnot but how do you get your characters to interact Uh-oh. with a mutilated cow I know this is so <laughs> it was a problem that everybody was kind of purposefully not thinking about because it was a real problem. Mm-hmm. And so I was the one that had to, had to figure out how to get a mutilated cow on sc- on camera with the actors and, and whatever else. So, um, oh my gosh. Like, I mean, we, talk to people that you know said that they could make one for us mm-hmm. uh, like uh almost like a paper mache one mm-hmm. uh we talked to like people in um we talked to taxidermists that said that they could do like a taxidermied one mm-hmm. i mean and, and here's the here's the problem they were all like tens of thousands of yeah, dollars. God, yeah. yeah yeah so um the question is how do you you know what, what we what were we to do so i came up with the with the terrible um <laughs> let's just say disgusting but i guess like somewhat uh somewhat smart way to approach it uh, and i said you know humans or you know americans eat you know thousands of cows you know uh, um second yeah you know so like there there has to be a way to tap into the to the local beef um industry and see if we can get some like parts yeah and so oh I asked my uncle, you know, I said, Hey, what do you, how do you think I should address it? And he was a, he's a hunter, avid hunter. Uh-huh. And so he, nothing scares him in terms of like the ickiness of, of, a, of, of a animal dead animal. And so he was like, well, you know, I have this friend that works over at the, uh, <laughs> at the rendering plant, you know, he might be able to get you a cow hide. And so I was okay. Okay. Like that's one solution. We have a, a cow hide that we maybe wrap around a barrel Uh huh. So I go and talk to this, this, this man. And trust me, I've never been to a rendering plant before in my life. And I look like a Sydney kid, you know, and they're staring at me like, what's this dude doing here? And here's another thing about filmmaking. I was talking to Tyler about, you know, it's like, um, they were all looking at me like, who the hell is this guy? And then I said, Hey, my uncle Kenny sent me over here and they're like, Oh, you're Kenny's nephew. Uh You know, they're shaking you around and Oh, you're making a movie. And, And so it's all, you know, use your contacts. Mm -hmm. You never know when one's going to just totally pay off for you. So um, they're like, well, what do you need? And I said, well, I need a cowhide. I'm trying, I'm making a, I told them what I was doing. Right. They're like, okay, um, well, you know, we actually uh, have some cowhides that still have the hooves and the udders attached. What? They haven't been (laughs) processed for turning into leather or whatever else so i purchased a cowhide that had the hooves and the udders still attached so i basically had the entire exterior yep. oh, of a cow my
3: goodness. okay
2: so then then they said you know um would you uh would you like us to throw in a cow head and so i literally um bought a cow a cowhide and and they threw in the head for free
3: oh
0: and my goodness it wasn't
2: the same the head from that cow sure but so
0: and you just we, like put it in your back seat when you drove away <laughs> So, <laughs>
2: um, our, our props guy adam engel who um i hope he listens to this oh, uh we God. loaded everything up into the back of his uh his brand new ford truck oh, geez. and uh i mean we were spraying blood out of the back for like <laughs> a week oh, and man. so we show up on set and everybody's just looking at us like like we just had committed like the deepest darkest sin and so you know we're i have i have a giant cooler with a cow head in it i have like tra- a trash bag a giant trash bag with like an entire <laughs> exterior of a cow so and we and we were supposed to and this was at like two we're supposed to start shooting at six p.m so we, find, we literally find um, a barrel, a bunch of hay, and we just stuffed the inside of this cowhide. Oh, hide my goodness. And, you know, wrapped it up as, as you know, we made it as, you know, scene. we were like, okay, so what's the camera going to be, sh- what's the camera going to be focused on? Because then we don't have to worry about, like, hay poking out of the back mm-hmm. of it or something mm-hmm. like that. So um, we did our best to um to 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 use this cowhide uh to look like a look like a cow now the thing is who's going to handle it right a cowhide is very very heavy and very very slippery Um, i know it's it was so (laughs) disgusting so uh i mean it was just like a group effort three of us just saying you know what? Screw it. Mm-hmm. We just grabbed that sucker and we put it around that barrel and we just started stuffing it full of hay and we just made it look <laughs> pretty damn good. Yeah. Awesome. And and so, you know, there were people that saw the film that were like, hey, like, please tell me you didn't kill a cow and mutilate it for your film. And so I would just have to tell them the yeah. whole story. <laughs> oh, my and, goodness. you know, and, and then, you know, just like, You know, and then I I gave my my um, my uncle's neighbor the cowhide because he was going to do something with it.
3: Mm -hmm. You know what
2: I'm saying? Nothing Mm -hmm. went to waste, right? Right. In terms of in terms of what we what we did, and it was disgusting. It um it it uh it was a very uncomfortable job. Sure. Um, the cast was totally freaked out. (laughs) Um, But it it worked, and it was our you know you know it's uh every film has its MacGuffin and you know this was our our we had to show something
3: yeah
0: and
2: so and so we
1: did and <laughs> and, and, and I'm, I'm glad we did it so oh, I'm pretty man. sure as you guys were stuffing that I was parked across the pond because it was getting dark and I got a call from you saying Hey, Laraka, turn on your headlights. <laughs> we need to make sure this looks good. And as I turned it on, I just saw Dave rolling the barrel in and just stuffing the shit oh, out of man. My eye. Uh, Oh man! It was that, that. was a that was a particularly gruesome day. I'm surprised
0: they didn't make you touch the calf. I don't. PA. I think
1: I touched it earlier. I know. I, I think it was Adam, or maybe it was you. Somebody said, "Hey, can you get some water for the actors? It's in the cooler in the back seat." So I got to open the cooler, and it's the cow head. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's yep. water in there. That's amazing. I love um, it. Uh, <laughs>
2: you you were like the fifth to suffer that.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was That's a true. that was a long run because we were on a yeah we were on a ranch that day, and I think everyone was kind of scattered, looking around, uh, so you could just rotate them out nice That's and evenly. That's hilarious. I um, love it. God, I'm trying to. I I deleted that image from my mind for like ten years. <laughs> and now it's just, the eyes are just right back there i uh, have
0: to see the video in the movie now just yeah
2: to we're gonna part. have to check it out yeah um that that was our that was our one uh drinking day oh we, yeah uh we we allowed our we, we actually put some beers in with the cow head and oh. uh when we got done with production at like 6 a.m we had some beers and, nice. a, and a whiskey and uh slept for like 24 hours yeah yeah so that was a long day
0: oh man that's um, crazy
1: before we do our, our last few questions or I guess the one after this I know we talked about it a little bit but what are your goals for uh, 2021 for this next year now that we know hopefully a vaccine will be available and uh, I, I pray that movie theaters will still be uh, you know prevalent in the months moving forward but what what do you have in store for you know I want to get this done in 2021
2: so we're uh, um, I am looking for an investor uh, it would be nice if it was a sole investor uh uh just so that there aren't multiple agreements going on in terms of uh our next film uh, but i want to uh make uh vessel uh which is our um rosemary's baby uh, meets the invitation uh kind of cult thriller film um single location um we can shoot it locally uh small cast and uh we would um only, you know, allow cast members that were vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Cast and crew would have to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we want to trust the science, get it, get in front of it and um, make it a part of our production. Mm -hmm. We want to have a very COVID friendly production because um, like I said, I had it and I was out for a month, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and, and, and uh, it, 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 it took a toll on me for even longer than that, it it right. wasn't just uh it wasn't just when I was sick, um, it was a lot of time after that. So I don't want to be I don't want to do that to anybody. I don't want to I, I so um we will produce the stamp film, and make sure everybody's uh has their vaccination. So that might not mean we get to do it until the spring or the summer of next year. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, I'm um, working with uh, Tyler on. Uh, our pilot Blackbridge, which are you know witches in northern New Mexico, and so um, we are going to be submitting that to a you know contest, the Sundance Episodic Lab, you know some things like that, and then I have some other um, feature scripts that I'm really just trying to get uh, in front of the right people. Uh, but I would say the next big thing uh, will be uh, producing um, a film that I wrote and uh, and getting it done by the end of 2021.
0: Cool. Very cool. Fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> Crossing
3: everything. <laughs> um,
0: what, uh, did you have any other question before we ask about no, promotions no. and stuff? Okay. Um, what is stuff you wanna promote? Like your book, you know, any other things you've written or, or stuff that's important to you that you'd like our listeners to check out?
2: Yeah, so uh, Tyler did a great job of, um, throwing out alien valley which is on uh amazon prime i think every time somebody watches it we get uh three cents nice something like that (laughs) so really you know what we should do
0: is just put it on and let it run all day yeah like (laughs) re-watching yeah yeah
2: now now, um uh if uh if anybody out there um would like a a dvd Mm -hmm. uh we do have uh like seven dollar dvds so um, i'd be happy to ship one out to you if you wanted one. Um, And then uh, my uh, ghost story, my family ghost story about the Wailing Woman or uh, La Llorona, um, it is uh, available on um, RedMoonNight.com, And you can just go ahead and order it through there and it gets shipped to you right away. Um, And that is um, the story of of how my uh, grandfather, my mother and I have been haunted by uh, essentially the most famous, uh, ghost in, in all of, uh, Latino, uh, uh, folklore.
0: Wow.
2: That's exciting. It's really good. Uh,
0: (laughs) anything else? Just those two main things.
2: Um, uh, I, I, we are looking for an investor for Vessel, Mm -hmm. which is our Rosemary's Baby Meets the Invitation. And, uh, we, um, we don't need a big budget, you know, but, uh, once again, um, it's one of those things where when you have a little bit of money and, um, contracts, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that will, uh, um, keep everybody on board, keep everybody happy. And, uh, and I guess it also allows for the cast and crew to kind of like, deal with some of the hardships mm-hmm. that come with uh, uh a small production mm-hmm. you know the craft service t- craft service tables aren't a thing anymore mm-hmm. um, but you know when craft service tables are um coffee and donuts rather than you know shrimp cocktail and prime rib mm-hmm. you know um that that they you know people have certain expectations and like i said i'm one of those people that want to exceed expectations mm-hmm. and so when it's a small independent film i think it's awesome to ha- make sure that everybody is comfortable, mm-hmm. happy, mm-hmm. getting a little bit, uh, if they're taking off from work, they're at least getting compensated for those days that mm-hmm. they're off from work mm-hmm. and and stuff like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So if any of our listeners have like 25, 30 grand kicking around, you yeah. know, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <Street pockets. laughs> Let us know. And,
1: uh, uh, oh yeah. But before we uh, start signing off, any other pieces of advice you could, you could give to, to artists, writers, performers, just, just anything you could think of.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, something that I've often said about myself is that, you know, the, the only, the only person that can, the only person that can stop me, uh, is myself. Mm. And so, um, don't be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm my biggest critic, Mm. uh, for sure, but don't let that, um, oppress you. Don't let that you know, uh, lead to a, an almost, uh, uh, depression and, um, be, uh, be prolific. Mm. Um, just, you know, like if, if an idea strikes you in the middle of the night, you know, get it out of your head. Um, you know, the, the, the old adage is that, you know, every story has ever, every story, um, there has ever been, has already been told Mm. that said it hasn't been told by you. Mm -hmm. So just, um, allow your own experiences, allow your own uh, uh, family and, um, and work or ex- life experience, allow that to enrich, enrich your archetypes or your characters. And you'd be surprised at how uh, deep and meaningful um, mm-hmm. your stories can be. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Cool. Perfect well thanks chris this was great i am fascinated by all of it yeah i did um and i'm also means i get to read more of your things and tell you what's wrong with them
1: oh yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly no it's 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 no i'm glad we finally got you to, yeah. to, to hop on here to um have someone who is from the a, a different side of production yeah, that for i sure. think is gonna be really uh Oh, just awesome for our listeners to hear yeah
2: i am a criticism vampire so like you criticize me and i will drain it <laughs> oh yeah i'm like i'm fulfilled i'm like, like oh tell so me like, <laughs> yeah that that that, right. that that was that was a misuse of a hyphenation sure. <laughs> oh i feel better so um yeah, awesome
0: it actually that uh, one last quick question uh, maybe are any of the scripts and stuff you submitted that you know uh, through the different um fests and stuff are any of those available for people to read or is it all still pretty private right now
2: i mean it's 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 all private but at the same time if anybody reached out to me and wanted to read a script okay um okay. i absolutely i would you know um i would definitely share it with them i i do, like i said i'm not uh as you know, I went from being super precious to maybe mm-hmm. being a little too open, but I'm, I'm always mm-hmm. open to just getting people to read my stuff. Cool. The more eyes you have on your material, the better it gets. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks listeners for uh, sticking around for this one. Um, every week we get Uh, another awesome guest and more and more listeners and it's really exciting for us Um, please make sure that you are following us on social media if you uh, haven't started doing that already we are on Twitter uh, Facebook and Instagram at PWRP podcast look up our Patreon page if you um, are feeling like you're in a little bit of a giving spirit for Christmas time slash holidays in general Um, what else?
1: Uh, If you would like to, uh, tapping onto that, if you would like to chip in for Patreon so we can get Steph a a proper pair of over-the-ear headphones, uh, (laughs) that would be a lovely, lovely Christmas gift uh, that we can use towards the podcast. But also, if you are uh, someone who is creative, who wants to work in the arts or does work in the arts currently, and you want to share your story, please email us at pwrp.pod at gmail.com. We'll get back to you right away to try and figure out a time to sit down and chat yes uh but i think without further no no nope. well i just we i
0: remembered one other thing um Ooh. stickers we have stickers and oh yeah um even if you can't afford to uh subscribe to our patreon but you want a sticker all you got to do is rate and review us on the various podcasts platforms that we use apple google stitcher spotify even pandora um and then just send us an email letting us know you did that and we can send you a fun sticker
1: yep total transparency i'll see the apple ones first
0: <laughs> uh, yes, uh, yes <laughs> true true story uh
1: yeah i think yeah I th- that, that's it yeah. That okay should officially all right be it. the checklist is done yeah um awesome chris if you want to join us for uh, right. our awkward goodbye yep We're going to deliver that here.
0: And And
1: bye! Bye! Bye.